and welcome to the Top Order podcast. Today, we're launching a new segment to shine a light on the New Zealand men's domestic circuit. Initially, this sounded like quite an innocent suggestion by Lippy until we realised he just wanted another excuse to catch up with as many former Rickerton Cricket Club members as possible. But despite Lippy's ulterior motives, we are delighted to welcome a man with 35 appearances for New Zealand across all formats, including a Test 100 against South Africa, a first-class average of over 40 across nearly 100 games for Canterbury, and now the mighty ND. Dean Brownlee, welcome to the Top Order podcast. Thanks for having me. So, Dean, I guess first question, where, where are you guys up to with your pre-season training? I know you're really lucky with that facility you've got over at the Mount. So how's, uh, how's pre-season been going with this um, COVID schmozzle around? Yeah, we've been lucky. We've obviously got the Mount, which um, is a great facility that we've been able to get to, but also we've got a facility in Hamilton, which we sort of rotate at the moment. So one week will be the Mount, one week will be Hamilton. We're out at St. Paul's and and they've got a great facility for us there as well. So we sort of only three or four days together, but uh, one week will be Hamilton, one will be, week will be the mountain where um, they're doing all the training there. So it's been pretty much um, as normal for us at the moment. And all reports suggest the Plunkett Shield is going to kick off around the 19th of October. But I guess with all of this conjecture around lockdowns and stuff around, is that what you guys are planning for? And how do you plan for that level of uncertainty with all the you know, health issues around New Zealand and the world at the moment? Yeah, um, well, we're planning for a full season as usual. And, and we just, I think like every team, we'll, we'll just have to be flexible about how we go about through the season. And, and who knows? If uh, a player or a team or or a, or a few players end up getting the virus at some stage, I'm sure there are steps in place as to how uh, New Zealand cricket and the domestic teams will tackle that. But we're aiming that the season will go ahead of schedule, and, and as I guess as a player, you just prepare like every other season to play every game and um, be flexible at the same time to make sure that you're ready to go, whatever the scenario. And, and there's no real excuses because everyone's in the same boat. And and Dean, uh, I know you're you're generally a pretty fit guy. Uh, is there any fitness stuff that you guys just hate doing though? Um, yeah, the yo-yo for me. As I'm getting older and older, the joints are hating the yo-yo more and more. So any chance I can avoid that yo-yo, for some reason it came back this season. <laughs> and yeah, anyone over thirty years of age doesn't really enjoy the yo-yo too much. Are, are you still on your your cheat day diet? A couple of packets of biscuits on a Sunday afternoon. Um, no biscuits. I'm, I'm actually a savoury man, so right. not a sweet tooth. But yeah, I'm um, yeah. Don't mind a cheat day. Probably too many of them lately. <laughs> and um, can you run us through how the squad's looking this year? Um, I think you guys have had Daniel Flynn drop uh, retire. You've added Jeet. Daryl Mitchell's gone out. Are there any any other big ins and outs in the squad? Um, no, not from any other province. Um, I think uh, Anurag Verma came onto the contracting list with um, Cartney Clark, who's both played a few games for us last year. Um, apart from that, I think it's just a Jeet for, for Flynn swap. I could be wrong there, but yeah, we're lucky to get Jeet. Um, really good player. Um, obviously played a lot for New Zealand and, and will be a quality player at the top of the order for us across hopefully all, all forms of the game. Um yeah, and Anurag Verma went to Wellington and now he's back and played really well for us, especially in the white ball last year and has been really good. And, and 
I think he's maturing into a really good player, and, and we're lucky to have him as well. And then Cartney Clark's a, a young up and coming player who played, I think, for New Zealand Nines a couple of years ago. And yeah, we think he's extremely talented. So yeah, a few good players. Obviously, losing Daryl is a big one. I think he's a huge loss for us and, and, and a good get for Canterbury. So um, it'll create opportunities for other people and, and younger players to put their hand up where Daryl would have been. So yeah, the more depth we can create, the better. And are you guys sort of the the non-black caps in the indie? How how do you guys prepare? Because I guess you guys are stacked with such a, a number of players. Like I just think about that bowling attack. I feel like someone, almost someone in that bowling attack is going to almost have to miss out who's a black cap, and it's it's just unbelievable. But those other guys then uh, sitting there, you know, all all season. Even someone like Scott Kugeline, who's kind of uh, you know in the around the black cap setup. How do they prepare to, to miss out in those kind of games? Yeah, I guess this has been the situation for a long time. We've very rarely had a full full contingent of black caps available to us. But I guess when you're, I guess, next in line or a young player coming through, you're, you're constantly in and out of the team. So it's, you do get used to that situation where if a black cap does come back, you, your spot isn't on the line. Um, where we are lucky is because we've been in that situation for a few years now is the coaching staff are aware of that, and and we try and make sure our A program and our our guys that are missing out are as as ready to go as possible because we know it can change really quickly. We we know that black caps come in, black caps go. So just trying to make sure those wider squad members and the guys that are on the fringe are, are ready to go, and and I guess as soon as their opportunity comes, that they can take it straight away. And are you guys preparing for your black caps to be more or less available this year than in years gone past? I think they are more available at the moment. There are pockets or windows that they will be available a little bit more than, than usual. Um, I guess for us, sometimes when it's the T20s, we lose more black caps than a test series for us. So we sort of ebb and flow about who we who we have and what the balance looks like and how many all-rounders we have. So we sort of work around tests and T20s and white ball. It's, it's quite different, but I think there are little pockets of or, or windows where where those black caps will be available. I think potentially during the T20 series could be the first time we could be full strength in a long time. So that'll be quite quite exciting, I think. I've always been fascinated by the setup at Northern Districts where you guys play out of multiple home grounds. Do you feel like that that having multiple home grounds helps you as as a district or do you think that sometimes plays against you and that you don't get used to your home conditions as well as someone who might play out of the same ground week in, week out, for, for instance? I'm not too sure. Hopefully we're, we're, um, we've got guys who are, who are adept in all, all conditions. Um, as to, to our home ground, I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure whether it's an advantage or a disadvantage. We want players to be able to be adaptable into all conditions, like I said. Um, what I do think is, is having little pockets of areas where players come from. It's not one area where where you have your coaches available. Sometimes you have to be quite self-sufficient. I do think that, that works in players' favours is, is it forces players who are on the edge or players who are coming through the system to, to I guess, be self-sufficient and, and, and I guess, uh, not wait for a coach to tell them what to do. So I, I do think that that helps. But in terms of the, the home ground, I'm not entirely sure whether it plays an advantage or disadvantage because hopefully we are a, a, a cricketers that can, can perform in all conditions. 
So uh, with the strength of your squad, uh, obviously you're looking to, to win it all this year across all three formats, but is there anything or any areas that you're focusing at in particular across the three formats based on you know how you performed last year? Yeah, I think I think over the last few years, our four-day cricket hasn't been up to the standard we want. We haven't finished, I don't think, in the top top three or four in the last couple of seasons, and I think we have the team to do that. So that's been a real focus, I think. Um, in white ball and T20s especially, we're, we've been quite successful. Um, so obviously you're trying to build on those sort of things, but definitely the four-day is, is an area where we haven't been at our best and, and, and I guess playing to the standard we we are hoping to play, so definitely a focus that in four-day cricket we, we hit the ground running come round one, round two, we're ready to go and, and and hopefully put in some good performances across the year. So, Dean, we want to get, I guess, a little bit of a better sense of now some of the individuals in the squad and run through a few quick-fire questions as we lead yeah. into the season. My first one is, who's the... Who's the young player that's playing in your provincial cricket at the moment that we should maybe keep an eye out that's going to burst their way into the squad this year? Um, I'll say Henry Cooper has played a little bit of cricket for ND, but I think he's ready to take the next step to push for higher honours. And, and what's special about him? Um, I think he he has a, a real desire to improve. Um I think he's quite tough. He's he's quite old school tough. I don't know what that means, but he's quite old school <laughs> tough. Um, yeah, I, I think he I think he's improving every time I see him. So yeah, I think he's someone that within the next year will be knocking on that New Zealand A sort of window, and then maybe higher if he goes really well. And. You talked a little bit about the the yo-yo test as being something to avoid. We all know, I think, from having played a bit of cricket around this table, you also want to avoid the seamer that bowls off 18 yards in the indoor nets. Who's that at ND who steams in off 18 and tries to pin you to that mat at the back? Uh, We've got a couple of, I guess, culprits. Sally, I've just recently noticed that he's quite happy to be quite a long way over. One thing about Sally, he won't bowl bounces, though. That's just how he justifies it. He'll he'll happily bowl over, but he won't bounce you, whereas I guess a cougar line isn't quite as far over, but kind of likes to feel that the balls hit you in the body. He's quite happy when it's major, major grimace. So, yeah, I guess they're the two that you try and avoid if you can in the net. Um, we'll stick to the bowlers for for a second. Who, when you get to yeah, the start of the season and you, you're standing at slip with your fingers a little bit cold, who do you not want to drop a catch off because they're going to give you a pretty decent serve? Uh, most people are pretty good. I'd say... Kugelin will give you a stare, and I, I, I do wonder what, what's going to follow up in the net session following that drop catch. But no, <laughs> most of the guys at ND are, are pretty good um, about drop catches. And sticking on sprays, who's the better you need to avoid once they, they get out? Uh, Devsitch, easy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what about who's the one that looks a million dollars in the nets? I'll say at the moment, I'll say Joe Carter. And then I'll say Kane Williamson just because it's Kane Williamson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Standard. Um, who's the, And who's the best person to be sitting next to while you're waiting to bat? Um, James Baker will offer a couple of teas for eight hours straight. So oh, nice. he's he's the guy you want to want to sit next to. And who's got the best chat? Uh, there aren't many. Um, 
probably James Baker again. And, and who's the one on those long days in the field that, that keeps everyone going? I think for the last few years it's been Daniel Flynn. So having lost him, I think it's a huge loss. And, and hopefully, well, we're, and I think Joe Carter's going to take over as captain over that. So hopefully there are guys that can pull, put their finger, pull, sorry, yeah, put their hand up and um, yeah, be that guy that, that does that, that, that Flynn's been for the last few years. So uh, also, what's that other team, the other provincial team that you most enjoy beating? Uh, purely for selfish reasons, I guess, knowing and played with Canterbury so much, I guess, always enjoying beating guys that I, I played a lot of cricket with and, and, and formed really good relationships with. So I guess from a selfish point of view, definitely Canterbury. Nice. Uh, also, what is your favourite ground to play away at? I think Hagley's turned out to be a, an amazing ground, so I really enjoy that. On a good day, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, an amazing ground to play at. Always a good wicket. Just bring back a few good memories, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And is that just cricket or is that a night out as well? Where's the best night out on the circuit? I don't think I've gone out in about 10 years, but <laughs> I'd have to ask a few of the young guys that, that question. But, um, yeah, I have no idea. Sorry. <laughs> this is Adam's favourite question, so I get to ask, but I get to ask it today. Uh, what's the best sledge you've heard at a, at a domestic level? Yeah, I, I don't know whether I... I don't know if I've really been sledged in my life. Um, I probably have, but I've probably been so tunnel vision I haven't really remembered. Um, I don't. I don't really think there's too much sledging that goes on in first class cricket. If there is, I probably don't really hear it. Sorry. Oh, that's all good. We we'll um, bef- before we let you go, then Dean, uh, we just did want to ask a couple of things from your own career. Take yep. us back. We talked about Hagley before. We didn't mention Hagley three, but sort of take us back to Hobart in 2011. Was that the greenest pitch you've ever played on? Yeah, yeah, it was. We, I remember we warmed up. Dan, I think, did a calf in the warm up, which, while it's Dan Vittori, it might have been a blessing in disguise because it mean Trent meant that Trent Bolt had a debut. Mm. Um, they pulled the covers off, and everyone was in a bit of shock, and then. <laughs> As the toss went up, everyone was sort of it – was, it was probably the, the toss. I've never seen so much emotion from the batters of how much how disappointed they are to lose it. So, yeah, it, it was the greenest wicket that I've ever ever played on, definitely in international cricket. And, and I guess having toured Australia, can you put your finger – I mean, you're obviously from Australia as well. Can you put your finger – on why New Zealand finds it such a tough place to perform? I mean, we, you know, particularly sort of the last five or six years, we've been such a strong side, kind of almost against everyone else around the world. But any time we go to Australia, we just really seem to, to find it tough. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think they're, they're a tough team to beat in Australia, full stop. Um, you know, their, their bowlers are suited to conditions, their batters are suited to their conditions. Um, doesn't swing a lot there after a few overs so their bowlers are generally taller and faster and hit the deck harder and yeah it, it's just a it's just a I guess a, a tough place to tour like many other countries but they seem to defend their home ground better than most and yeah I mean I was lucky enough that I, I played on a lot of grounds in Australia so it wasn't foreign to me but yes yeah, definitely like like most places in the world it's, it's definitely in someone else's backyard it's always tough to tour. Mm. And was it weird at all for you to play against them? 
Because, I mean, I imagine you sort of grew up wanting to wear the baggy green at one point. Yeah, it was a bit surreal. I remember batting one time and, and, and I'd watched most of these guys on TV, like Clarks and, and I guess Warners and, and Hussies and I can't remember who else, Siddles and, and those sort of guys. And, and, and then I was sort of batting in the middle against them. So it was a bit surreal for me. I, I guess I, I, at the time I was looking in my own change room and seeing McCullum and Vittori and, and Ross Taylors and I was thinking the same thing. So, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely quite surreal for me. I, I mean, I'd played against a few of them in junior competitions growing up, so I had, had known about a few and formed a few relationships before that. But, yeah, definitely to, to play against guys like, like that was definitely a dream come true. So it was, and to beat them was obviously pretty special as well. And do you, do you sort of uh, remember the the debut for New Zealand really fondly? And I feel like it was a twenty twenty in Christchurch. Was that right? Uh, it was in Auckland. Oh, Second no, one I played was in in Christchurch. Yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah, I think Shaw Backdale was my first ball faced in Jeez. international. So that was a yeah, that was a that was an interesting experience. I think Guffy was whacking him into the second tier and sort of firing him up. And I was thinking, just let me get a run first before you fire him up. Man. Come on. Yeah. But I think he was, he got 70 or 80, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, to play Umar goal and a free, uh, Akdar and a free, I think in my first game was, was pretty surreal as well. Awesome. Um, well, look, the, a couple of personal questions just before we let you go. You've been cultivating that beard for a little while. Can we expect to see that again this year? Yeah, if it, yeah, if my missus has anything to do with it, it'll be a lot less. But yeah, it'll be it'll be there, I'm sure. Awesome, awesome. That's that's great. And then I guess finally, back to the the cricket. Have you sort of set yourself any personal goals for the season ahead? Uh, not particularly. Just um, just enjoy it. I'm coming towards the end of my career, so I'm just going to enjoy it and and uh, hopefully hopefully contribute to a, a few trophies if if that's possible. I think we've got a good group, so just enjoying it and. Yeah, and hopefully hopefully have some performances that lead to some victories. Awesome. Oh, well, thanks mate. It's it's been uh, it's been great to to catch up again and um yeah, really appreciate you giving up your time to to come and chat with us. Cool, no problem. Thanks for tuning in to the Top Order podcast. Before you disappear from our feed, if you're a new listener, please do go and check out the back catalog. We've spoken recently to New Zealand coach Gary Stead. We've got Graham Thorpe We've got Shane Dietz, we've got Barry Richards, Shane Bond, Colin Miller, all in the back catalogue. You can find the details www.thetoporderpodcast.com. We're the Top Order Podcast on Instagram, although we're still really figuring that out. We're at Top Order Pod on Facebook and Twitter, so don't be shy to jump on. Give our tweets a share or a retweet, and we'll see you next week.